What up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast about our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. As always, this show, part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, and as always, with the 562.org. I am JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gernabasio, and uh, that partnership with the Long Beach Post is far-reaching. Not only do we have the, uh, the biggest and best and oldest sports podcast in Long Beach, but we also have some great education coverage you can go check in. Uh, we were covering the school board meeting last night while we were also covering baseball, basketball. Um, and so we'll have articles up for them soon on a new agreement reached with the LBUSD teachers, uh, as well as the school board uh, removing the emergency uh, authority powers that they had given to the superintendent uh, and sort of restoring the quote unquote normal order of education in Long Beach as we start to put the pandemic in the rearview mirror. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. Uh, just wanted to shout out all of our uh, terrific s- subscribers, supporters, readers. Um, you guys really fuel everything that we do at the 562 as a nonprofit. You know, we do rely on that community support in order to stay in business. And uh, we really appreciate all of our new subscribers who have joined up and uh, or who have made you know one-time contributions to us. You know, it means a lot. You know, we're working really hard to bring you all the, the coverage from around the city. And so we do uh, appreciate the support. Uh, if you haven't joined the, the movement yet, uh, head to the website at the 562.org. There's a support tab where you can find different ways to contribute. All donations are tax deductible since we are a 501c3 organization. Um, if you need help or ideas or or want to reach out about uh, supporting and finding different ways to contribute to, to what we do at the 562, feel free to shoot us an email. I'm Tyler at the562.org. So send me a message. We'll connect. And uh, yeah, let's keep this thing rolling, boys. For the last year, we've been timestamping these podcast episodes because we didn't want to be talking about what the CDC said. And then a couple hours later, they changed their mind. And you listen to the episode and you think we sound like idiots. Well, we need to keep timestamping it, mostly because we everything only look is- like idiots. Everything is changing on the field now. It's not off the field cancellations. It's, yeah, we did a full day of soccer coverage on Tuesday. Well, by Wednesday, we got to do a full day of baseball and basketball coverage. So we're going to timestamp it. We're talking to you on a Thursday. It's almost noon. I'm about to go do some softball coverage. We've got, obviously, more basketball coverage headed your way the rest of the week. But first, we have to talk about baseball because we are in full swing with everything pun intended we actually have an update for you on more league baseball uh so obviously we all thought that when the baseball season got approved and we knew they were coming back that it would be on campus these teams have some pretty historic campus fields and they're all definitely playable each to their own obviously but that meant they weren't going to be able to play at Blair Field. So Bull Diamond at Blair Field, obviously the home of Long Beach State Dirtbags Baseball, but it's also owned by the city. The Long Beach Unified School District is guaranteed almost 30 games there a year. Obviously this year, that's not going to happen, and nobody's complaining about that. But it is a huge bummer that the Moore League assumed that when the university and the city said, hey guys, things are looking better, COVID-related, you can come on back. We're going to have you at Bull Diamond at Blair Field again. They assumed that meant for the doubleheaders. That is not the case. The update is that Long Beach State and the city view Bull Diamond at Blair Field as a venue, not a sports arena. So a venue is under different rules per the California Department of Public Health. So it means that you can have two teams at a place. It's fine. You can have limited spectators. 
It's fine. Those two teams can play as many games as they want. But as soon as you bring in a third team or a fourth team, just like would be the case with four different schools showing up to Bull Diamond of Blair Field to play two games, usually those games are 3.30, 6 p.m., that is not allowed. Now, they could do a thing where there has to be a two-hour gap between the two games, but then you'd have to start the first game at like 1 o'clock and start the second game at 6 o'clock. So that's real tough. So it's a bummer that we're not going to be able to have the uh, the doubleheaders at Bull Diamond of Blair Field for more league baseball this year. The first game is going to be this Friday. Uh, Lakewood is taking on Jordan, and then there's going to be another one next week. But there's only going to be three. For example, Milliken, ranked number five in Division Three right now, they're not even going to get to play at Bull Diamond of Blair Field. They're not even on the list to play a game there. So that's a real bummer. But the good news is, is that there will be limited fans allowed in the stands. 450 fans allowed. It's obviously first come, first serve. You got to do a COVID check at the gate. You got to wear your mask throughout the entire game. But think about this Friday, we're going to be at Bull Diamond of Blair Field. High school baseball is going to be there. There's going to be fans in the stands, and there's going to be a highlight video of all of it. So at the end of the day, you got to just take what you can get, right? Are we still in that frame of mind? Um, I've moved beyond you can take what you can get to. Um, just to be completely honest, you know, you can bleep this if you want. I, I think this is bullshit. Um, and it, it, it's upsetting to me because decisions like this are why people like us and a lot of the parents that we've heard from who believed in the virus the whole time put on masks and, and weren't being crazy people. We're, we're doing everything we all could to stay safe, but who also paid attention to all of the studies and science around the things that are safe, like playing baseball with kids outside, <laughs> which is something that um, my son uh, who plays single A baseball at El Dorado, um, we go play at a baseball field at El Dorado at 8 a.m. on Saturdays. Um, someone comes in and plays at 10 a.m. Someone comes in and plays at noon. Someone comes in and plays at two. Someone comes in and plays at four. Um, I am the dad who wipes stuff down for about 30 seconds after the game is over. It takes 90 seconds um to do the whole dugout um we can do that for six-year-olds and seven-year-olds um we can do it for obviously pro sports etc cetera, etc cetera. for some reason these high school kids in long beach uh who we built as a city a multi-million dollar beautiful baseball park for 60 70 years ago um they're getting screwed here they're absolutely getting screwed here because there's there's just no way that you, you can't do the things for high school kids that you can do for seven-year-olds. And I understand that anytime you get the Long Beach Unified School District, the city parks and rec department, and the university involved, you've got three layers of people worrying about regulations, three layers of people worried about liability. Um, but if we're just taking a step back in a world where the governor of this state has said that everything is going to be lifted, all regulations are going to be lifted in a month and a half... <laughs> To sit here and tell me that uh, we can't play two high school baseball games at Blair Field back-to-back, um, I'm not buying it. I think it's a failure on the part of everyone that uh, is, is keeping this from happening. And I'm not saying that's anyone specifically. If it's a failure on the part of the people who made the regulations, then it's a failure on the part of the people who made the regulations. Um, but it is wrong, and it's stupid. And uh, I'm upset for the Millican kids and families um, that don't get that, you know, especially for the seniors on that team who don't get that honor of playing at that field this year. And, uh, and I'm hopeful that this is the last big stupid thing 
that we have to think about or worry about with this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with that, Mike. I mean, I think uh, I'm still very much in the like, hey, we thought there was a chance that we weren't going to get any high school sports. And so the fact that the sports are here and they are able to play, I think is is obviously a flat out win. And, um, you know, no one's expecting things to be perfect. Um, but I, I do think it, it's it's a very silly thing to, to have to explain. I think, JJ, you did a great job explaining what the – the layers of red tape and the concerns are and, and what the, the ruling was, but ultimately it's, it's silly. It's, it's a big facility. They don't even have to be in the same dugout. I mean, we're going to campus fields. People are, you know, lined up on the, on the sidewalk next to each other. They're crammed into these small dugouts on campus fields. And then we can't spread them out in the bleachers at Blair or in the, you know, the picnic area or the, the little pavilion on the, on the first base side. There, well, he so just said room. they've been cleared to have 450 fans in the stands. So there was room for two other baseball teams, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, the football teams are, you know, double, even triple the size or more of baseball teams also. And they were on the sidelines together. Look, I mean, we know there's going to be a lot of things um, with the sort of return to normalcy that don't make sense or are slow. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily because people are bad people. I just think it's it, it's overwhelming for all of us. And we are certainly a biased perspective because we care more about local sports than the average person, as we should. Um, but I think so. I think it's good to keep it in context, but also say, hey, these are things that are important. And it's kind of a reminder that if you're not looking out for the things that you care about, they can change over time and, and they can be lost. And so um, it, it's important to just have your voice heard, be reasonable, try to keep things in perspective about the importance of this compared to other things, but let the people that are making the decisions know how you feel and how important this is to you so that they at least can better understand the community that they're serving. Nobody I talked to about the story was going to say it and nobody you ask would admit to it. However, rumor is that some quote unquote Belmont Shore parents talked to Parks and Rec about the fact that there weren't going to be any games at Bearfield. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, look what happened. So yeah, squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Well, I, no, and, and, and that's exactly right, JJ. And that's what, that's to be honest with you, that's what pisses me off about it. So, so now, because this is how problems have gotten solved in the sort of third act of this pandemic. So now what needs to happen then is the Millican baseball parents need to pitch a fit that it's not equitable for their kids to not play. And why not instead of forcing everyone to squeak their wheels as loud as possible, why not just do something that makes sense the first time? But I would, I would lastly point out, we are, um, I'm writing a story for the Long Beach Post right now. The LBUSD is going to host graduations this year for high school. And those aren't going to be 12,000 people at vets the way that they used to be, but they could still be two or 3,000 people at vets. And it's just, again, um, Andy Fee at Long Beach State has complained to us about this, that, you know, high schools got to have fans back before colleges did, even though colleges had been testing and doing a lot more in terms of safety infrastructure than everyone else. Like everyone's had a moment where they were the, they were riding caboose on the train back to normalcy. Um, but each one of them is frustrating because there is not an answer to, well, why is this, but not this, you know, there isn't a real answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. Long Beach state is all wrapped up in that red tape as well. They are still being forced to test three times a week for people who have had the vaccine. 
Yes, you heard that correctly. People because who- they just are both- waiting for that ordinance to be updated. Like both right. doses of vaccines had to go through all the crap that came with both doses of vaccines and still have to get that cotton swab shoved up their nose three times a week. It's insanity. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot of that going around, and uh, you know I I totally agree with Mike that you you shouldn't have to have the luxury of having the free time to complain about things to your elected leaders in order to get right. treated fairly. However, just as you know, it's kind of an explanation of people that are that are upset about this, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you could go on social media and and you know complain and say how horrible this is and talk to your friends and family about it, but you know, just trying to give a uh, hey, this could lead to positive change. Definitely not saying that's right. Um, but th- there's going to be a lot of this over the next couple months. And, you know, we're, we're going to try to advocate the best we can for, the, you know, the students, the athletes, the coaches, the teams, everyone that's working so hard to, to make these, these things a reality. And, you know, I hope that, you know, uh, everyone, our, all our readership, all our listeners understand, you know, we're advocates for what we think is the best for, for the athletes. And, and, you know, we'll speak our mind about it. Obviously, if that news changes, we will give you the breaking news at the 562.org on everything, including More League Baseball, where we've had some surprises. What, what's more surprising for More League Baseball so far? Obviously, this season just started, like we said, these games being played on campus. What is more surprising, the fact that Long Beach Poly Baseball looks as good as it does right now, or the fact that Wilson and Lakewood Baseball does not look as good as it usually does right now? Um, I'll start on the positive and say that the, the Jackrabbits have been uh, one of the, the best sort of on-field surprises of, of this uh, COVID season that we're getting to cover. Um, if you're wondering why it's surprising to us that they're playing as well as they have, the school has literally never won back-to-back more league baseball championships. Um, and as, as Brett Lavoie, uh, the coach over there, said when he first got hired, it's hard to do things at Poly that no one's done before athletically, <laughs> you know, and you have a baseball program that's put out 23 major league baseball players. So it's not like they haven't had great talent. Um, but I, that to me, I'm someone I I'm, you guys know, I'm real boring when people ask me for predictions or whatever, because we've been around for 13 years and we know like the things that have happened before tend to happen again in high school. Right. We have in this city the longest active league championship streak in uh, in the state of California with the Wilson Boys swim team, which is like 48 years long. And that's just the way things tend to go. So for the poly baseball team to come out and say, no, we don't really care about any of all that. <laughs> We've been working as hard as we could. We're going to come out and kind of plant our flag. And, you know, I think I think believe they're still sitting with just one loss on the season. Correct. Um, you know, that's that, that's just been to me a real surprise and, and uh, one of the kind of coolest stories of, of the seasons that we're covering right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, credit to, to Coach Lavoy and, and all those athletes for, for sticking to it and getting off to a, a really great start. I've been impressed with the Jackrabbits for sure. But, you know, I do think looking at, you know, all the years of Morley baseball that we've gotten to cover, I do think, you know, the team's are struggling this year in a different way than they have in years past. And so I, I don't think that it's necessarily, Hey, this poly team has hit a new stratosphere, you know, cause there's been some really good poly teams over the years, but they've struggled to beat the, the other big three because the other big three Milliken Lakewood and Wilson are all, you know, consistently very solid teams with, you know, uh, future pros, um, you know, division one talent all over the field. And, um, you know, we've definitely seen the sort of the old guard of, of Wilson and Lakewood definitely struggle. Um, and, and that's been, that has been surprising. I mean, uh, the game with Polly and Lakewood um, that 
Mike and I were at yesterday um, on Wednesday, that was, um, you know, the, that poly team, I mean, we talked about it in the coverage, but the poly team really played a Lakewood baseball game at Lakewood and, and won. And it's, you don't often see stuff like that happen. And um, yeah, I, I think that's been the more, more surprising part, but I think it's also still early in the season considering no one got the off season prep time that they're used to getting, you know? So it's still very much sort of working through the kinks, almost like Legion ball, which we have covered. Um, and JJ and you, you brought, you brought this up when we were talking earlier that, you know, they're just going to have to work through some of this stuff in a lot of cases. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's like we're watching fall ball right now, something that we never have done before. And so we're just very shocked that things like nine errors from one team in a game where they're playing on their home field happens and it's just like, this doesn't look regular. And I guess, I guess we got spoiled, right? Like there was that long stretch of more league baseball teams struggling in the playoffs. So we were like, more league baseball is good, but it's not great. No, now, now that we're looking at it now, it was great. The JP Crawford, Chase DeYoung, Shane Watson years, that was great baseball. Even if night they didn't win a CIF championship, it was still like from top to bottom, they were just making really difficult plays look routine. And now the guys are making these routine plays look really difficult. I, I think you have to say Long Beach Poly is playing with the most joy and passion in the league right now, and they're also the best team. That's not a coincidence. That's baseball. If you play tight, things go bad. That's been, that's been the case. And I got to say, after watching a couple of games where teams have struggled, it's fair to say that this baseball league looks like a Division Three baseball league. I mean, that's where Milliken is. Polly's in Division Two, and they're ranked in the top ten. But Milliken is number five in Division Three, and and that's where Wilson is. Like they're a Division Three baseball league, and that's not what we've seen. That's not what the other teams like. Remember when Jordan was really good? Remember when Mark Prager had Jordan freaking cooking? They were in Division One that year, so they didn't get to do anything in the playoffs. So I think in the long run, much like boys soccer here in the Moore League. Boys soccer in the Moore League is one of the best uh, sports that we have here in Long Beach. We've got four teams in Division One, and that was not the case a few years ago. A few years ago when playoff equity came in, a lot of those teams got bumped down. And I think that being bumped down, getting some playoff success, building some momentum, maybe getting a few kids into the school that you might have not gotten before because you've had success in the postseason has improved those teams. And now you're looking at a Moore League soccer league that's all the way back in Division One. And now they're, now they're going. Now they look really, really solid, right? I think baseball can do that. I think there's a way that baseball can get down to Division three. Maybe Milliken goes on a little playoff run. Maybe Polly goes on a playoff run in D2. And then like soccer, they can return to Division one, a more complete program, a stronger team top to bottom. I, I do think that's possible. But I think the team that's perfectly set up to do it right now would be Long Beach Poly. Do you guys agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that assessment. I, I think that's a good point, JJ, that where you, you get that playoff success, um, you know, a team really learns a lot from that and grows from that. And it's also makes it a more attractive destination. You know, I think both going to the postseason and then also having some success makes, you know, kids more likely to go there and and helps the coaches just just all the way around. So, um, no, I think that's definitely possible. And obviously there's a ton of Long Beach talent and when the local teams, you know, when they, you know, get back up to that, to that level and are competing and winning again, we'll know that it's built, not bought. Did you get a chance to talk to coach Lavoie or any of those players after that game, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I talked to uh, the Rhino, Ryan Shonsby, and uh, who had a, a, a big day, uh, both at the plate and on the mound, um, including a two run home run to dead center inside the park because he's not uh, Mike Trout or whatever. It's the, pol it's the polo grounds out there, guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And, and, and to Brent Lavoy as well. And, um, you know, they were obviously both very excited about the win and, and talked about the Jackrabbits resiliency after uh, falling behind two nothing in the first inning. The first uh, interview here will be Shonsby after the game. He was uh, pretty fired up after the day he had. I wanted to ask you about your your home run. Um, some people got on me because I didn't clarify I was inside the park, but I was like, I don't think anyone's hitting it out of dead center here. But uh, regardless, um, obviously you had a ton of emotion after that. Uh-huh. Um, just just take me through that, like th- that moment, and you know how important this game was, and yeah. just the release of emotion that you guys had after that eight spot. Yeah, honestly, I was just uh, I got in the box and Clavel told me the hitter before me that he was like up and up. I saw the first two pitches, he missed up a little bit, and I was late on my previous at-bat, I was late, so I was just trying to be on time and look for something up, and I got the pitch, and I just swung and just hit barrel, and then honestly, uh, I was celebrating a little bit around first already, and then I kind of blurred out, and then I was yelling, maybe some F-bombs too, but, and then I got in the dugout, and I was just out of breath, pretty much. I was just excited, put up runs, helped my team, because, you know, I was trying to get the guys, like, energy up during when we were down 2-0, telling them, like, we're not out. And props to Elias for not giving up after that first inning. He came back and just stopped the bleeding and got consecutive zeros. So props to him for that. Did you, did you think you might not make it? You were you were laboring a little bit around third. Yeah, honestly, I, don't, I saw LaVoie saying to me, and I was just – I was going. It really wasn't going to be close, that close, because, I mean, that thing rolled to the, the – I, I think I got to work on my speed a little bit. But. <laughs> hey, rhinos aren't known to be fast, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> we are recording this show on Thursday. Uh, this will actually be my first night not covering a game in what feels like uh, about a month. So we are going out to celebrate. Uh, my whole family is vaccinated. We are ready to go out and eat inside a restaurant. So, of course, we are going to Naples Rib Company, where all great celebrations in Long Beach happen. The best barbecue in town, the best ribs in town, and a longtime supporter of not only the 562.org, but, you know, high school sports, college sports, and tons and tons of programs throughout the city. Um, They've done everything they can to make it through this pandemic, just like we have, just like you have. And so if you're getting ready for that first big meal out, why don't don't you come down to Naples Rib Company? If you see my family, say, hey, and if you see Dave Ursini, the owner of Naples Rib Company, tell him the 562 saying. We have got to give out some big shouts to Millican Girls Sports. The Rams are charging through these abbreviated more league schedules. We got to start with girls soccer, guys. You were at that game where they beat Wilson at home to basically all but clinch that historic more league title. A three-peat for the Rams and Coach Tino Nunez. An alum, not a coincidence, right? We love when alums come back and coach at their school. And he has built that program over the uh, over the last eight or so years to really, you know, start defensively, then get forward a solid approach to good quality high school girls soccer. And it's great to see them get that reward. Very impressive game for Milliken. They've just absolutely been a force uh, defensively and offensively in the second round of league play. Uh, beat Polly 4-0, to zero, a, a very impressive shutout win, or 2-1 win, excuse me, with the penalty kick over uh, Wilson. But, you know, gave up zero goals in the run of play. I mean, their only goal in the second round of league has been on that PK. Um, so super impressive. JJ, you just mentioned it. You know, Tino Nunez, um, a guy that we've been big fans of since he got to Milliken, um, and it is sort of everything you're looking for in a young, more league coach, an alum of the program, 
um, in our interview with him afterwards, he talked about not only what they did to sort of get their team mentality right, but also about how he used his time at Milliken uh, as a student to inform the style that he now coaches as a coach at Milliken. So first of all, you know, I just asked Courtney, but what, what, what was the difference between the first round of league play and the second, bro? Because I, I told Courtney, like, I saw you guys in the first half. You look pretty good. And then the second round, no one could mess with you at all. I mean, what, what kind of flip for you guys? Um, I, I think mainly it's just, you know, being a team, right? It's like we always, we preach, be together, stay together. We preach it, we preach it, believe, you know, it's like, but you can't do any of that unless you're actually a team. Excuse me. <laughs> unless, unless you're, you know, unless you're actual team and you're together, you know, obviously with COVID, we only had like I think seven returners, so you know, it, it took some time. You know, some some didn't even say hi until we finally were like, okay. And then against Lakewood, I mean against Wilson, even though I don't think it was a three-zero, it exposed a lot of that, like right. not being together, not on the same page. And then we talked about it. I canceled the game, the non-league game. We had like you know kumbaya, you know bonfire blah blah, blah and, and get together you know get to know each other hey every time you show up to training you say hi to everyone that's just out of respect it's simple just do it so they've done you know now they've gotten together for some pasta you know kind of dinners before which before they couldn't do anything you know no interaction at school so it's like when you're when you're kind of build around having that and then you don't have anything it's like well there's a big disconnect and you, and you can see it so i think once we kind of got that out of the way and then especially our front line because honestly I think this is the best front line we've ever had with Hannah, Hannah Reyes and Courtney I mean that's that's a threat at you know in, in every of those three positions and as a forward you know and I played forward my whole life I know how small the goal could look and I know how big the, the goal could look you know so like once they got that first goal in I mean, Courtney hasn't stopped scoring since she's got that first one in. You know, I think she's like at 16 goals and like six assists, like crazy. Like after she found the net, Reyes found the net, now she's scoring, you know, Hannah found the net, now she's, you know, so it's like, I think that once they started to click and they started connecting and we just kind of simplified things and let's go after it, you know, and, and it's just wanting it. I mean, they want it, you know, it's just credit to them. They show they want to be, I mean, against Polly, I don't think Polly know what hit, knows what hit him. You no, know, in the second right. half, I don't think Wilson knew what hit him. So, I, I was, I was, I was going to ask you about the front line because it almost feels like if you were a club manager and you could go out and sign players, that's the three you'd sign. They're, they're complementary to each other. They play different styles. Um, how, how well, I mean, it just it's like you have a big physical striker. You have a spark plug and Hannah, who I think logs like 50 miles a game or something, it feels like, right? And then Reyes is so skilled, you know, in, yeah. in pretty much everything else. It, just, it almost feels, like you said, it, it just kind of feels like the best line ever and, and sort of perfectly made, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you want, you, we've never had a nine like that, you know, that could come in and hold, that can be a threat in the box, you know. Um, and then we haven't had that speed and that threat on both sides. You know, it's always been like maybe one side or maybe in the middle. You know, it's kind of been hit or miss, but once they started clicking, you know, then, then it, it just becomes just, you know, uh, a handful to deal with. And, you know, those three years, they're, they're special. And, you know, obviously, once they, you know, once they found the back of the net and once they started to see that, you know, you, you preach it, you know, you preach it, it's like one less of you, one more of somebody else, and you're going to shine even more, you know. So now 
now you like early on i don't think you saw as much as the connecting part is looking for each other now they're actually looking for each other because they know hey you're gonna you're gonna attract pressure and players you're gonna attract pressure and players and if we play together we just play around them and we'll make stuff happen i mean that second goal it was nice. Um, this is obviously a year that, you know, every, no one's going to forget. Everyone would probably like to forget. But yeah. you you guys made some something special out of it with the, you know, obviously still a little bit of work to do, but most likely a third straight league championship. Um, what does that mean to you and, and the program that you built at, at your alma mater? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's great because this is, you know, it, it, I think it means a little bit more being around myself, um, kind of making it my baby, you know other than these babies, but (laughs) (laughs) making it my baby as far as, you know, our project and, you know, building something and changing the culture and changing the mindset. So, you know, it's special. And I think this group, you know, we knew early on on paper, you know, they had a lot of potential, but on paper, we know what that means. doesn't mean anything. So I think, you know, now they're clicking. I don't want to, like I told them, you know, this is great. Celebrate this victory, but we really celebrate on senior night when we take care of that. You know, you still got to take care of that game before anything. So I don't want to celebrate too early. No, but, I get it. But that, oh, we're not it, coming to senior night, so I got to get no, those yeah, quotes yeah. now, you know? But. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> if, if we could take care of business on yeah, senior for night, sure. then it's going to be great. You know, um, not, it doesn't happen often. And yeah. for the program, for you know, for the girls that have been part of it, for the girls that have experienced right. it, you know, and I always tell them as a player, I experienced it under Coach Peck. We won, I think we won all four years, I think, you know. And yeah. So it's like, it, you know, and I tell them, like, you want to feel what you felt last Tuesday, and I guarantee you this will feel even better. Right. You know, and then next Thursday will feel even better. So, you know, it's just that you want to keep that feeling going. Um, you, I mean, obviously you mentioned you play for Coach Peck. You guys are similarly an absolute terror on counter, right? I mean, is that something that you kind of picked up as a high school kid and just that's just always been the way you've seen seen the game or, or what's the lineage I mean, of that just being a forward myself i think you know you think that you would coach you know kind of just be really offensive as, as a forward but you know it kind of taught me like you know if you could be defensively sound you're always going to give yourself a chance in, in any of these big games especially so i think you know kind of being solid in the back and and getting those you know okay go go to mom <laughs> you don't like to be interviewed <laughs> uh, you know if, if we're limiting chances limiting goals and we're always going to have a shot in these big yeah. games you know so that's always going to give you a, a shot at winning titles you know they say you know obviously goals win games but defense wins championships so that's kind of what i want to try to focus on because you know scoring goals is the hardest part anyways yeah. so if i can solidify you know our defense together then we'll you know we'll move up the line yeah, a lot of girls over there at Milliken really stepping up. Uh, like Savannah Alba, the goalkeeper for Milliken. Like you said, no goals given up in the open run of play. You can read about her, wrote a feature about her. It's at the562.org right now. She came back from major knee surgery. Uh, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. I love when parents give good advice. And that article is full of it. We also got to touch in on the Milliken softball team beating Lakewood and their bi is it biannual? I always get that confused, right? If you do it twice a year, it's biannual, right? Or is that every other that, year? That's semi-annual. Semi-annual. Semi-annual is twice a year. Semi-annual uh, trip to Lisa Fernandez Field at Mayfair Park to play that thing under the lights. The only time we cover high school softball 
under the lights is when Milliken plays Lakewood at Lisa Fernandez Field. And that game never disappoints, dude. Something weird always happens. And sure enough, late in the game, Grace Fleming, the senior center fielder for Milliken, makes, for my money, one of the most impressive catches we've ever seen filming sports here in Long Beach. The situation, how difficult the catch was, her reaction after, it was all just so beautiful. And it was what rivalries are about. Rivalries bring out the best in you, and it certainly did that for Millican softball. They had just had a tough loss against Wilson and bounced back and looked like world beaters against Lakewood. So I got a chance to talk to a couple of them. Uh, Grace Fleming will be the first interview you hear, and Coach Fleming will be the second interview you hear. No relation. Also, I got to say, in the background, you are going to hear Closing Time. I don't know why they played that song and why they decided to play it twice. We do but, not own the rights to this music. But hey, but hey, that's what it is. So uh, enjoy that 1990s club hit and these quotes from the Rams. Coming into the game, well, we did just have a tough loss against Lakewood. Oh, not Lakewood, sorry, Wilson. And we were pretty low in our morale and stuff. But we had, a, you know, pasta and pizza fix everything. So the night before, we were hyped, ready to go get another dub. Walk me through that play, what you see off the bat, what were you thinking you were going to see? Um, to be honest, I knew that the last inning was going to be rough. Um, I've had a long history with Lakewood as a senior, and I just knew, like, I felt it in my gut. It was, I was like, it's going to come to me, I feel it, I'm ready to go. And then I saw it, and I was like, now's the time to show and did it. <laughs> We had a lot to lose in this game. Like, I mean, if we lost this game, we could pretty much look at more league out of our picture. Um, it was it was kind of a like do or die kind of thing for us. Like, we knew we had to get the job done. Um, we've we've been dying for this. We've been like dying for a Lakewood game. I've had these my you know my sophomores I've had for two years, and they had nothing last year. So like, we've been pushing and working hard and. They've, we really wanted it today, and we had that lot, you know, tough Wilson loss, so we had to come big today and get this win in. They've got three league losses in the last, I can't even count how many seasons that is. Two of them are to you guys uh -huh. in the last three seasons. Yeah. Why? You know, it's not that you have their number, but why do you think that you guys get up for this game? Because I did. When I was here, I did, so I kind of feed off that same energy to them as a coach to the players to kind of know, like, this game on this lights, it's a totally different feel than any other game that we play. Um, and it, it gives, a, it's just that hometown rivalry. You got best friends on these teams. And most of them are all best friends on, mm -hmm. on off the field. We, you know, we're all best friends on the field where we can't stand each other. Yeah. So um, it just, it's been something that's been kind of going for me. It's like, you know, deep down in my blood. And I've just kind of been trying to give these same, you know, um, the same traditions that we've got had at Milliken and kind of just give them here and, just let them know that these games are a little bit bigger than than normal. We don't set it up for no reason. You know, we set it up as a big game, and it you know it's it's kind of nice. The girls all get into it. It kind of bonds them more too. So it's just something that we've been really, really pushing for. It's Lakewood game. Always got to you know tired of losing to them. So I got to you know just make sure that we've been kind of had it a little bit where we were right. staying together and knew what we had a, we had a job to get done today, Absolutely. and that's exactly what we did. And those, you know, the success for those sports at Milliken only adds in with what the girls cross country team already did uh, earlier this this school year, winning their second consecutive uh, cross country title in um, pretty <laughs> theatrical, crazy fashion. Um, and also the uh, Milliken girls tennis team just picked up a big win over Polly, um, which 
hasn't happened for them often as a big win for, for Tori Frapwell and, and her program. So um, yeah, things definitely looking up at Milliken, especially on the girls' side. We also have to mention Long Beach State because we do that show. So semi-weekly, Mike, is that, is that how that goes? Or is that thing bi-weekly? <laughs> bi- bi- bi-weekly is every other week. Bi-annual is every other year. I'm just, all, I'm just all over you now, dude. I'm just messing with you. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> help me show come up on Monday. Uh, we have, obviously, updates on everything going on at Long Beach State every week at the 562.org with our Long Beach State Notebook. Uh, want to shout out the softball team. Obviously, they've been playing very well. They won their sixth Big West series out of six tries last weekend against Cal Poly. They're going to be in Hawaii this weekend, on Hawaii this weekend. Sorry if we're doing English. And um, they're going to come back later this month to play – or excuse me, later next month to play Cal State Fullerton in a series that will pretty much decide uh, the Big West champion. But if things stay the way they are right now – Long Beach State looking like it could make the postseason yet again under Coach Kim Satter. So that's very exciting. And a very cool event, which I think is also very funny after a podcast where we talked about what they're doing at Bull Diamond at Blair Field. Long Beach State Beach Volleyball going to be hosting a tournament at Rosie's Dog Beach this week. The beach volleyball program going to be the number two seed in the tournament. And so all of those Big West teams are going to come down to Rosie's Dog Beach, uh, Granada Beach, really, and, uh, and host that thing. So that's pretty cool. An event here in the city where multiple teams are showing up to be in the same place and playing each other. I'm just saying. Before we get out of here, we once again want to thank all of our sponsors, including our friends over at Ocean Law Center. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services they provide. Thanks, Ocean Law Center, for your continued support of local sports coverage, and thank you to everyone who helps make this show possible.